Massive news day today here on Capitol Hill as the Second Amendment was upheld, striking down the Supreme Court, striking down and with the pen of Clarence Thomas, unconstitutional gun restrictions across six states, including California and New York. Huge win. And what better way to celebrate the win than by heading down to Tampa, Florida with the Turning Point USA family, as well as Governor Ron DeSantis and President Donald John Trump, myself, Charlie Kirk, and everybody else at the Turning Point Student Action Summit, tposa.com slash sass. You use promo code POSO, all caps, P-O-S-O. Get your tickets, secure access to this event now, because once these tickets are gone, they are gone. We're going to put the link in the description. Make sure you go there immediately. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard today's edition of Human Events Daily, powered by Turning Point USA. Today's June 23rd, 2022, Anano Domine. Today's top story, breaking. The Biden Department of Justice is sending FBI agents to raid Republican officials in multiple states in an investigation into, quote, alternate electors from 2020. Next, the Supreme Court has struck down the New York state law on concealed carry restrictions. Huge win for the Second Amendment. Third, the Uvalde School Police Chief Arredondo is placed on administrative leave, scalp. And finally, Republican congressmen demand the FBI and DHS designate members of Jane's Revenge as domestic terrorists. All this in Warhead, Human Events Daily. Just to be clear, you said... You have evidence that the then president was involved in putting a fake slate of electors out there. Do you do you have evidence that he directed it? Um, You know, I don't want to get ahead of our hearing. We'll show during a hearing what the president's role was in trying to get states to name alternate slates of electors, how uh, that scheme depended uh, initially on hopes that the legislatures would re- reconvene and bless it. Will we see that he they directed didn't, it? and they pressed forward with it anyway. Will we, will we see that he directed it? Um, I don't want to get ahead of what we'll okay. show you during the hearing, but we will show you uh, what we know about his role in this. So I received a phone call this morning from someone with knowledge of the investigation right as I was on my way in to the office today, on my way into the studio to perform today's show, and... What we got was, so there's a piece in the New York Times, there's a piece in the Washington Post, Josh Dossie has it in the Post, Maggie Haberman is a story in the Times. There is a massive investigation going on right now, multiple states where Republican officials have been raided by the FBI, search warrant issued. And when I say raided, I mean they are sending FBI agents to people's houses early in the morning with their family in there, in some cases, with their children, Michigan, Arizona, Pennsylvania, Nevada, Georgia. They are going after these officials into an investigation that is being run by a grand jury out of Maine Justice, the very headquarters of the Biden DOJ in Washington, D.C., And what are they looking at? This is not the January 6th committee, but it is something the Gen 6 committee has talked about. It's this alternate electors. What were the alternate electors? Well, in the Electoral College, the way it works is that when one candidate wins the state, you get all the votes in the Electoral College for that state, right? So all the congressmen plus two, right? So what they had was one slate goes for, you know, the candidate that wins and one state slate would be set up for the candidate that didn't win. 
but they would have that set up anyway. Because there were court challenges to the cases in multiple states, right, to the count, to these electoral counts in multiple states, the Republican Party was going through and doing their work of having alternate electors set up if it was needed if the courts overturned the certification in these multiple states. So it's part of a legal process, part of the court process that that was being done on behalf of the court cases. So if the court cases succeed, if the Supreme Court get lo- uh, decided to look into this, and we know, of course, the courts refused to look into these cases. They punted on all of them. They said, oh, you don't have standing. Or they would say, well, we can't do anything. The election's already happened, et cetera, et cetera. So these alternate electors were never actually used. But the Biden administration is now acting like a regime. Now, there is jurisprudence and there is history for alternate elector slates. It was part of a legal strategy. The Biden administration, though, has decided to make it a criminal act. They have launched an investigation in search of a crime. They know exactly what happened here, but they don't care. Merrick Garland and these jackboots at the Department of Justice are going at their raiding people's homes, They're going for their electronic documents. They're going for text messages. They're going for emails. They're taking phones from people. Understand what point in the movie you're in. The Biden regime has this. They should just come out and say it. Just come out and say what you mean. You want to make opposition to the Biden regime a crime. You want to make dissent a crime. And you are trying to outlaw the opposition party in the United States of America. They are trying to turn it into a crime to say that you support the Republican Party or any party, to say that you support President Trump, to say that you support any of these things. They will criminalize you. They will intimidate you. They will threaten you in front of your children. That's what the Biden regime is doing right now to anyone who gets in their way. And the subpoenas lift, I've seen some of the list, the names on these subpoenas. They're lawyers. They're people who were working on these cases. Rudy Giuliani's name's on the list. Bernie Carrick, right? Are they going to go after Mike Lindell next? Wake up. If you're out there, if you're listening to this, you need to wake up and understand what is going on in this country with a weaponized Sovietization of our Department of Justice. And it's the Jan 6 detainees, and it's the Jan 6 committee, and now we see it here with this investigation, which is nothing more than a political witch hunt of the opposition to the regime. The latest numbers are in, and pretty much everyone agrees, the United States economy is currently in a recession. We've also seen the supply chain crisis for food. Our food supplies, our food stores are being rocked. The wheat shipments, the grain shipments from Russia, Ukraine that normally hit are putting a massive strain on your food supply chains. We know that we have to be concerned about where America is heading. So many people right now are stocking up on emergency food storage. Now, I personally recommend a three-month emergency food supply per person. The way things are going, you are going to need it. That is why we've set up preparewithposo.com in conjunction with My Patriot Supply. My Patriot Supply is the largest preparedness company with over 54,000, four and five, they're up to 54,000 now, four and five star reviews. At preparewithposo.com, this is the portal we've established. You can save $150 off their popular three-month emergency food. Seriously, you will save 150 bucks off of the food, off of the food kit. 
This kit provides three solid months worth of delicious meals, food that your family is going to love. It gives you more than 2,000 calories per day for sustainable energy. Make sure to get one kit for each person in your family. You go to preparewithpozo.com, you will save $150 on the food that you will need soon. You can also throw one in the back in the trunk of your car, throw one in your garage. You will get the peace of mind of knowing that you have a food supply prepared. Beat inflation now by investing in emergency food from My Patriot Supply today. It is the only investment that guarantees you a 100% return. Preparewithpostal.com. The link is in the description. We have a right to religious liberty. We have a right to the full, fair, and impartial rule of law. But also, we can never forget that we have a right to our Second Amendment, which is under siege. But we will prevail. We will prevail. As our Bill of Rights says in those clear and immortal words, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Well, we've been talking a lot about the Biden regime. We've been talking about how they've weaponized the Department of Justice. But there is one institution, it seems, that because of the efforts of conservatives for so many years, that is standing stalwart for the laws of this land and for natural rights. The Supreme Court of the United States just ruled in a six to three opinion that the Second Amendment, your right to keep and bear arms, should not be restricted outside of your home by a special government regime. And there were six states out there, and this is regarding concealed carry. So there were six states that were denying people the right to conceal carry, even if they were law-abiding citizens, if they couldn't demonstrate what's called a special need, right? These states, and New York is the state where the case was brought, but it's also Maryland, California, New Jersey. It applies to the District of Columbia, not a state. It shouldn't be a state, by the way. But these states were saying that you needed a special need to gain access to your Second Amendment right. You needed a, a it, it only applied to special people, people that were of some sort of elite status or some higher rank or higher caste than everybody else. No. And this justice, this opinion was written by Clarence Thomas, Justice Clarence Thomas. And today, the day it came out, believe it or not, it's his birthday. So let's say to him, happy birthday, Clarence Thomas. And since we're inventing new holidays, I think that we ought to declare today, Clarence Thomas Day, make that a federal holiday for the rest of United States history, because we're just making up holidays now. So great. I'm going to make up a new one. I hereby declare human events proudly declares that today shall henceforth be known and will be celebrated throughout the land as Clarence Thomas Day. What did he write? New York's proper cause requirement violates the 14th Amendment by preventing law-abiding citizens with ordinary self-defense needs from exercising their Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms in public for self-defense. No party disputes that handguns are weapons in common use today for self-defense. I love this part. The court has little difficulty concluding that the plain text of the Second Amendment protects the people's proposed course of conduct, carrying handguns publicly for self-defense. This is key. This is the key line right here. Nothing in the Second Amendment's text draws a home public distinction with respect to the right to keep and bear arms. What does that mean? The right to self-defense under the Second Amendment does not stop at your property line. There is no distinction. Why? Because it is a natural right. 
It is a right that is inherent to you. That's why the words, the plain text of the Second Amendment say right there, shall not be infringed. What does it mean? That means if you're a law-abiding citizen, if you're going about your business, you have the right to self-defense. If someone challenges you, if someone attacks you, if someone assaults you, and we've seen time and time again the crime that's going completely out of control in this country. And especially in places, by the way, that have laws like this in place, like New York and like California. In fact, Justice Alito wrote in a concurrent opinion, he said, there was just a mass shooting in Buffalo, and clearly this law that you had in place did nothing to stop it. Your laws are not working. We're going to go back. We're going to go back to the way things were before. I saw someone on Twitter was, was so upset. They were, they were crying. The liberal tears are everywhere. The salt mines are open. And they were saying, uh, she was saying, the Supreme Court is taking us back 100 years. Yes, exactly. That's right. Because our rights are not something that are subject to any timeline. Your rights are immutable and immortal. Your rights don't stop. You don't stop having, right, your natural rights. And there's always going to be tension there. There's always going to be different tensions. But in this case, when these six states and the District of Columbia were erecting this insane government regime that you had to go through this labyrinthine process to gain access to your rights, and Clarence Thomas wrote at the end, I'll paraphrase, he said, you don't need a special government permission to gain access and exercise your First Amendment right, your Sixth Amendment right, your Fifth Amendment right, And the Second Amendment is not a second-class right anymore. There's compelling evidence that the law enforcement response to the attack at Robb Elementary was an abject failure and antithetical to everything we've learned over the last two decades since the Columbine massacre. Three minutes after the subject entered the West Building, there was a sufficient number of armed officers wearing body armor to isolate, distract, and neutralize the subject. The only thing stopping a hallway of dedicated officers from entering room 111 and 112 was the on-scene commander, who decided to place the lives of officers before the lives of children. The officers had weapons, the children had none. The officers had body armor, the children had none. The officers had training, the subject had none. Well, someone that we've been harping on pretty much all week in terms of the Uvalde school shooting And the complete failure, the cowardly acts, and the ineptitude of the Valdi School Police Chief, Pete Arredondo, who we devoted an entire segment yesterday to talking about. That very same police chief of that school, keep in mind, he's not the police chief for the town of Uvalde. He's the police chief of the school security force, the school police force. He's been now placed on administrative leave by the superintendent of the Valdi School District. And he should have been placed on administrative leave on day one. Because in this situation, this guy was in way over his head. He failed to understand what was going on. And his actions and his misactions, his misdeeds, are what caused those officers. You had 19 officers at one point. There are more photos of this coming out now that were waiting in that hallway to do something. He's looking for a key. He didn't need a key. The door wasn't locked. He said, we only, we actually have now, we've obtained a transcript of the call that he made to the dispatcher, right? He forgot his radio. He left it, he actually testified. He actually stated publicly that he thought it was a smart idea to leave his radio outside because he was worried 
about the antenna hitting him when he was running, right? Well, guess what? You just cut off your, op- your ability to be able to communicate with your force. He made a phone call, a cell phone call to the dispatcher, and he said, we can't get in because we only have handguns and we're outgunned. You had 19 officers. They have ballistic shields. We can see it in the footage. Then he's saying that we need some special key to open the door. Guess what? The state police of Texas already came out and said, those doors don't lock from the inside. The doors weren't locked. You didn't even try to open the doors. He was the head of the school's police force. He was the on-scene incident commander. And of course, through his lawyers now, he's trying to deny all this. He's trying to obfuscate. He's trying to put the blame on all these other places. No, 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 no. That's your job, Pete. You had one job, protect that school and protect the children of that school. You had six police officers that were just assigned to this school district, to this school facility, right? You, you have no other job. You don't need to be doing anything else throughout the city of Uvalde, right? You are right there. Police the school, protect the school. You failed to do that. And we've got these calls. We've got, when we can see in the timeline, we can see in the timeline now that they had shields arriving, they had police arriving. You had officers there within three minutes. That response time is actually really good, right? This should have been a situation that we looked at as a success where a good guy with a gun stopped a bad guy with a gun because you could have gone into that room immediately, taken out the threat, neutralized it, and saved so many more children. And keep in mind, he's also saying, by the way, oh, well, you know, what if they were shot beforehand and it wouldn't have made a difference and, you know, every excuse under the book. Because that's what we are now. We're a nation of excuses rather than a nation that takes responsibility and accountability for our actions. But you had kids in there that were bleeding out. First responders could have gotten in faster. Medical response. Ambulances could have got them to the hospital. Right? Those those minutes, those seconds, those moments count. But Arredondo, and we've got the information now, we're getting dispatcher calls. I want the body cam. I got to say, I want the body cam. Human Events demands to see the body cam footage of Pete Arredondo. So, okay, sir, you're defending yourself. You're saying that your response was proper. All right, let's see the evidence. Show us the facts. Stop doing these behind closed doors testimonies. Come into the public. Show us, show us your body cam. Give us the transcripts and give us the audio. Give us the audio of your dispatcher calls. Don't give me a transcript. Let me hear it. I want to hear the urgency in your voice when you know and you can hear children being shot in a classroom of a schoolhouse and you stood there in that hallway and did nothing. Peter Ardondo should be behind bars. Two questions, one um, foreign, one domestic. I'll just follow up on the, the violence we're talking about. As we get closer to the Supreme Court decision on Roe, um, there is a group that has been distributing flyers around Washington, D.C., but also across the country and also online called Jane's Revenge that declares there will be a night of rage, looting, burning, um, rioting if Roe is overturned. What message does this White House have um, in advance of that ruling as we get closer to it? So, again, violence and destruction of property, 
uh, have no place in our country under under any circumstance. And the president denounces this action. Uh, actions like this are completely unacceptable, regardless of our, our of our politics. So we have denounced that, and we will continue to denounce any violence or threats. Well, the huge scoop out of the Daily Wire. Mary Margaret Olihan has the story. Republican congressmen are calling on the Federal Bureau of Investigation and the Department of Homeland Security to designate members of the pro-abortion organization, militant organization, Jane's Revenge, as domestic terrorists. Now, a few of us, Human Events, Post Millennial, Daily Wire, have been breaking down this story. By the way, you'd think that the true crime podcast community would have something to say about this, but the true crime podcast community, like I, I figured out what their thing is, right? They will not talk about any crime that has anything to do with politics. You watch. You'll find these podcasts that are amazing. They're so good. You know, they go in through the details and the door was open at this time and the wife was here and the husband was there, right? They're going through. They're explaining all of it. But true crime podcasts are terrified. They are terrified of touching anything to do with politics. And because this is a pro-abortion militant group that's firebombing and targeting pro-life centers and churches— Right. They don't want anything to do with it. Yet you've got this group. They're they're releasing communiques. They're releasing threats. They're releasing messages. They're putting graffiti up. They've got a signature. They've got a signature, by the way. They say, practice your cursive. What does that mean? All of their graffiti is done in cursive. They've got a signature, lowercase cursive. So they have an actual signature like a serial killer for their attacks. True crime community couldn't care less about it. You're not going to see this on Netflix. You're not going to see this promoted anywhere, but we're going to talk about it. So led by Congressman Mark Wayne Mullen out of Oklahoma, lawmakers drew on the latest communique purportedly from the pro-abortion group threatening more violence to pro-life clinics and organizations. We write with grave concern regarding this group, Jane's Revenge, and its documented attacks on pregnancy centers across the country over the past two months. This group is a threat to expectant mothers across America, many of whom are in desperate need of assistance. Other congressmen that signed on include Greg Stubbe of Florida, Jeff Duncan of South Carolina, Jody Heiss of Georgia, and Lauren Boebert of Colorado. They are calling on DHS and the FBI to officially classify them and investigate them. So think about this. Think about this, right? Early on today, the first segment, what did we talk about? The FBI is going after Republican officials for setting up an alternate slate of electors, which, by the way, was never used because the court cases never went through. But you've got this other militant group firebombing pregnancy centers and they're nowhere to be found. Understand. All right. I've said it before. It's not hypocrisy. It's hierarchy. We are undergoing a Sovietization of American life, as Victor Davis Hanson says in a recent column. What does that mean? You are now living under a regime. And people say, why are they still letting people illegally protest in front of Brett Kavanaugh's house when Nicholas Roski of California was just arrested and charged with trying to kill him, right? Because the regime is on their side. And that's all the time we have today, Human Events Daily. Remember, now more than always, our promise, our oath, our solemn vow to you, be good, be brief, be gone. Your homework for us, share this out with one, just one of your normie friends, and then leave us your five-star review, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. We're now up to 10 million downloads. Thank you so much for that. What did we talk about today? Massive news day. It was hard to be able to scrunch this down into under 30 minutes, but we found a way. So first, the Biden Department of Justice 
the regime, sending out FBI agents to raid Republican officials in multiple states in this alternate electors grand jury investigation. Next, Supreme Court striking down the New York concealed carry restrictions as unconstitutional under the Second Amendment. The Evaldi school police chief, Arredondo, has been placed on administrative leave. I can't wait to see him behind bars. And finally, Republican congressmen are demanding that the FBI and DHS designate members of Jane's Revenge as domestic terrorists and investigate them. Huge, huge week. You need to be sharing this out with people. You need to be paying attention to what is going on. Make sure that you're always staying tuned to this. But before we go, it's time for today's history break. On this day in 1872, Frederick Douglass was nominated for vice president of the United States. Now, it wasn't the Republican Party, Democratic Party. It was actually the Equal Rights Party at their convention. Victoria Woodhull was at the top of the ticket, the first woman to run for president in the United States. Apparently, Douglass wasn't even aware that he had been nominated. Victoria Woodhull was a suffragette who also was a self-declared clairvoyant. The problem is, because women couldn't vote at the time, she was not very successful. I guess she didn't see that one coming. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, you have my permission to lay ashore. <laughs> 